everybody. Welcome back to the Long Distance Work Life Podcast, the podcast where we try to help you figure it out, thrive, survive, uh, generally keep the weasels at bay in this crazy world of remote and hybrid work. And today I am really, really excited. My name is Wayne Trammell, by the way. Uh, Melissa is not with us because we, in fact, have a fabulous guest who I'm going to bring in right now. Ryan Jenkins is the co-author, and as a co-author, I'm very sensitive to making sure people get their credit. Uh, He is the co-author with Stephen Van Cohen of Connectable, How Leaders Move Teams from Isolated to All In. Ryan Jenkins is with us. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being had. Here's the deal. By the way, I, I just realized I called Marissa Melissa a moment ago. So just, you know, clearing up my mess. Gotta clear I it go. up. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of like working in the kitchen. Um, Ryan, I, I first of all, the book is terrific. For those of you who haven't read Connectable, please, please do. Thank you. But I was interested that you spent a whole lot of time on something that I think is really important and doesn't get a lot of conversation, which is this idea of loneliness at work. And maybe you can help, it's always good to define terms, maybe you can help us, what is the difference between loneliness and being alone? Because a lot of us actually kind of dig being alone to get our work done and whatever, but lonely is different. Let's start there. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Wayne, and looking forward to this conversation. I'll take it one step back. I'm going to answer your question, but I think it's important for folks to understand that loneliness isn't uh, defined by the absence of people. It's defined by the absence of connection. So we, you, you know, viewers and listeners can probably relate. You've been in a crowded room at times and still could feel a sense of loneliness or disconnection because you don't have you're not connected with those people. Uh, you know, same is true if you're working remotely to where if you're connected to the work, the your team members, your leader, you might not have the same strong sense of loneliness or isolation than that person in that room full of people did. So it's not predicated on the, the absence of people, it's the absence of connection. And then if you think of this idea of isolation, isolation really isn't positive or negative. The negative state of isolation is loneliness. The positive state of isolation is solitude. And we talk at length in the book about how solitude is kind of this is the first defense. It's insurance against isolation or against loneliness, excuse me, because think of I get back to the definition. It's not the absence of people. It's the absence of connection. And one of the strongest connections we all have to have is that connection with oneself. And that can actually be had during solitude where you're actually free from the inputs of other minds. Uh, so, again, isolation is not positive or negative. The negative state is loneliness. The positive state is solitude. And of course, nowadays, um, we're experiencing more heightened levels of loneliness for a myriad of reasons that we might uh, go into. But to your point, alone, you can be alone, like in solitude, and not experience the negative state of loneliness. But loneliness uh, is the negative state where you're having those negative emotions, where your mind and your body are actually in a fight or flight state, because we're prone, we're vulnerable when we're alone or lonely. You know, this notion of loneliness seems like an odd discussion to be having when it comes to business, but it's actually been part of the conversation for a while. There was a very famous essay and then a book in the late 90s called Bowling Alone that basically said we were becoming more and more uh, separated from each other, socially disconnected. And, you know, and then that was 
pre-internet, you know, when that yeah. happened and then the internet happened and then uh, all of a sudden there was COVID and we were really, really pushed, uh, pushed out. What impact, wh why do business people care about loneliness? I mean, this sounds like it's a my, me problem, not a you problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, why is there a business issue? The healthiest organizations balance high performance and worker well-being. You got to balance both of those. You can't totally focus on high performance and sacrifice the well-being of your team because that results in burnout and high turnover rates. And you can't focus completely on worker well-being and cater to everyone's whim because then you're not delivering for the market or your customers or clients and you go out of business. So you got to find this balance. And why it's important to address loneliness is because both ships rise in that case. When you when you address loneliness, not only does worker well-being improve, but performance improves as well. And so a good way to think about it is um, when we, they've done research to when, when we experience exclusion, when someone feels a sensation of exclusion, the same part of the brain that registers physical pain actually registers when we experience exclusion. Because again, our body is in a fight or flight state when we feel lonely or excluded. So if that's the case, that's as if we're showing up to work with a bleeding appendage and we wouldn't want anybody to tell us, hey, go ignore that bleeding appendage and get to work. Well, you're not going to be able to focus. We're distracted at best. We're debilitated at worst. Same thing is true with these invisible ailments. And we're, you know, I'm so glad that the conversation around mental health at work is, 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 is uh, growing because that's so important. But I think if we can solve for loneliness, if we can create connection Everything else flows from that. We're gonna we're gonna see less burnout, less stress at work, anxiety, languishing, because we are wildly all of us, all of humanity. I'm convinced after three years of studying it, we are wildly underestimating how much we need human connection. And there's so many things in our life now where we're it, it's keeping our loneliness levels at a manageable level, and we're just doing enough communication when we're not actually connecting. There are about three things that you just said there that I want to put pins in. Uh, one is that our research certainly shows that one of the number one problems in remote and especially hybrid teams is exclusion. That And, and it's not always a, oh, we don't want to play with Ryan in the sandbox. It's we're literally not thinking about Ryan because he's out of sight and out of mind. And of course, if you are an introvert by nature or you're new to the team and you don't have the existing relationships, um, exclusion is a very real thing. Uh, the second thing that you said is kind of tied to that, which is, you know, we... Part of engagement is, do you have a friend at work? I mean, when they measure employee engagement, right? That's always yeah. one of the main questions. Do you have a really good friend at work? And more and more, the answer is kind of no. And, and one of the reasons for this, I think, I'm getting to a question. Uh, one of the reasons, I think, is that two-thirds of the social interaction that we get for the week traditionally has taken place through our work. If you remove that, if you greatly reduce the amount of social interaction that you're getting at work, that has an impact on everything else. So what can we 
I guess there's an organizational level, there's a team level, and there's an individual level. Let's start with the individual level. What do we do to avoid loneliness at work as individuals? Yeah, the, f- the first step in so much of this to overcome all this is is awareness. Um, you know, you think about how long we had automobiles before we actually put in seatbelts, right? I think it was like 50 years with the automobile before. <laughs> it takes us a long time to kind of wrap our heads around some of these, these, you know, new age challenges and then to implement something. But so often, you know, if you ask the psychologist, they would tell you, you got to name it before you can tame it. And so we've got resources where folks can actually identify the loneliness levels in themselves. It's empirically validated to figure out, hey, where am I at with this? And again, this is a universal human condition. So there's no shame in loneliness. It's literally our biological cue that we belong with each other. Um, and we all experience it differently. It can be situational. Um, it can be relational. There's all different aspects that can kind of lead to loneliness. But the biggest first step is to just start kind of being more aware of it and trying to find, you know, what are your personal loneliness levels? When and where do you experience it? And then uh, just try to find uh, pro-social behaviors, just one or two pro-social behaviors each day to kind of pull back and, and nurture your connections There's a paradox to that, though. What what I'm hearing is absolutely right, which is you need to be proactive, right? The more you withdraw, you need to be proactive. The challenge is when you are truly lonely, along with that comes depression and self-loathing and all kinds of lovely things, which, of course, reduce your desire or ability to reach out and be proactive. you are right, my friend. Yeah, exactly. So you, we tend to turn inward, which is the exact opposite of what we should be doing. So it's really hard for us individually to tackle loneliness. All of us should just assume that we are prone to loneliness and all, consistently keep yourself uh, uh, in community with others. And then the, the second tier that you talked about around team or community, that's what's really important because we need to be aware of these disconnection or isolation or loneliness signs of those around us. Because it does take us, it takes a community to pull folks in when they might be slipping away. Because you can't just uh, you can't just do it yourself. If it was as easy as telling a lonely person to go get a pet or go to a happy hour, this wouldn't be a problem, right? <laughs> so it's way more complex than that. And I'll give you one uh, tip as it relates to kind of this team or community. And we uh, research. We didn't research. We we interviewed Steve Cole, who's out of UCLA, and he studies loneliness at the molecular level, which is extraordinarily fascinating. And he talks about there's a trap door in connecting with someone that's experiencing severe levels of isolation or loneliness because, and he says trap door to your point to where um, folks, when we're experiencing loneliness, we turn inward and we distrust everybody else. So it can be really hard to connect and pull folks in, which is why we all have to be more open and proactive about all this. But Steve Cole says the trap door is four words. And before I give you those four words, I'll tell you a little bit of the science behind this. So when we, when our, when our bodies experience some type of threat, the threat circuitry in our brain lights up and that's when we go into flight or fight state a fight or flight stage. Um, and so a good example is if that building, a building's on fire, your threat circuitry is high and you're running away from that threat. Same thing happens when we're experiencing loneliness. We feel there's a threat, and so we run away from it. We're running away from people. But the way we can get around that is through meaning. So, for example, if, that, if, the, if the building is being on fire, normally you'd run away from it. But if you have something meaningful in that building, such as a child, 
you might you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna overthrow that threat circuitry and you'll run into that building when there's some type of of meaning there. And so what Steve Cole suggests to pull people out of loneliness and isolation is four words. I need your help. So it's pulling people. It's trying to attach more meaning and trying to help people see that the contribution that they're uh, that they bring to the table, they bring to the team is useful because that's, you know, back when we roamed the plains, our ancestors roamed the plains. If you weren't contributing to a tribe, that meant you were vulnerable to getting excluded. And when you were excluded, there was all kinds of things that would <laughs> could eat you or kill you. And so we have this innate uh, uh, desire uh, and survival tactic to actually want to contribute. And sometimes it takes other people around us to show us what that unique contribution that we make is. As a leader, assuming you yourself are functional and grounded and able to have peripheral vision about this stuff, <laughs> what should a leader be looking for? Uh, signs that somebody is disconnected to the point of loneliness, for lack of a better term. Yeah, there's there's a, there's a, a lot of we've identified ten indicators. I'll just give you a few of them. Um, one of them is is excessive working, right? That can be a way. So if you start seeing emails late in the evening, early morning, just around the clock um, working, that could be a way for people to not be not want to step into some of their interpersonal or relational priorities at work in life so excessive working can be one an apathetic attitude a change in routine is also a good indicator so if you could if you can get a sense of the kind of the cadence the routine of your team someone that breaks that that's an indicator um, and then just kind of a lack of learning and development someone that doesn't want to engage in in career progression conversations or isn't learning not really adapting a, a growth mindset and wanting to better themselves, um, that can be an indicator as well. We promised we'd get to the organizational level too. And this seems like a harder thing to get our myths around because organizations can organize events and you know you can bring people in once a year and you can have virtual happy hours and whatever the heck else they're organizing. What really meaningful things can organizations do? Yeah, we've seen um, something that's been really helpful is uh, peer coaching. So organizations that create environments where people can can connect at a very deep level, but also have it be meaningful to, to the organization. So peer coaching has found to be really, really helpful. And that's exactly what it sounds like is, is having two people coach each other. And there's no, there's no uh, kind of hierarchy to it. It's just Hey, we're, we're going to wade into each other's lives and talk a little bit personal, a little bit about work and, and, and alternate who, who's helping who. Um, that can be really helpful. Um, the idea, too, of, of, of clear direction is really, really important. We actually profile astronauts in the book and we ask astronauts, you know, they operate 254 miles away from civilization and they right. will see maybe 11 people in a whole year. So they're, they're uh, operating in extreme isolation. So we ask them, hey, how do you deal with isolation and, and uh, loneliness? How do you keep loneliness at bay? And, and their their single answer, their top answer was clear direction. So clarity. And that's not something that we normally think about, right? But think about if you were to go on a hike without, without a map, well, you're likely, you're susceptible to wander. And when you wander, you're lost. And when you're lost, you're lonesome. And we see a lot of organizations that just aren't clear in kind of the direction they're going or clear as to what the 
purpose of the team or that department is. And so leaders can play a really unique role in that in creating more clarity for their teams. And, you know, we often call uh, leaders the chief reminding officers. Like you just got to consistently, consistently remind folks. And again, it's so crucial, especially when we're in a remote or hybrid environment, because it's so easy for us to kind of lose track of what it is we're doing. And, and that clear direction is so important. So to sum that up, it would be uh, confusion spurs alienation, but connect, uh, clarity cultivates connection. And there, there's a, thi- a very thick line to be drawn, with, again, to meaning, right? The role of meaning, meaning in the work, meaning to the tasks, Yes. And all of that good stuff. Uh, Ryan, I could geek out on this for a very long time. For those of you who haven't uh, read the book, Connectable, How Leaders Move from Isolated to All In, uh, please do so. You and I were talking before the tape was rolling, though, and I don't want to let this go by. Because we think about remote work, we think about the technology involved to make all of that happen. You actually have a technology to help people be less lonely. Yes. Yeah, no, it's kind of a, it seems uh, contradictory at times. And in the book, we talk about how technology is causing us to choose convenience over connection. And we're slowly turning our backs on humanity when we're, when we consistently choose to, to adopt more technology. Um, but we think we're trying to find the best of both worlds. We're trying to make it convenient, but also then use that convenience as a way to cultivate space for more connections. And so, yeah, we, you know, we're all about creating solutions to overcome this loneliness issue. Yes, loneliness has been rising ever since the uh, bowling alone came about, uh, and it still continues to rise, but that means it's malleable, which means it can come down. And we built a tool called Like-Minded. It's likeminded.ai where it's a tech platform that actually helps folks find friends at work. And it uses a personality assessment, kind of your interest and your your career or life stage uh, to match you with folks where you know you'll have a really deep connection. Um, And we found that to be really helpful because oftentimes people want that connection, but it's just like, where do I start? And and I don't want to get down a certain path and that, you know, not work out. And it's it's clunky. So we wanted to give a tool that really helps folks to – to get rid of all that, and we're excited about where this uh, where this could go. Which just sounds like eHarmony for work buddies. Uh, <laughs> you got it. You nailed it. <laughs> Ryan Jenkins, thank you so much for being with us. I'll give you the last word in just a moment. I want to remind people, thank you for listening to the Long Distance Work Life Podcast. Uh, you guys know the drill. You listen to podcasts or you wouldn't be here. Please like and subscribe. Tell your friends about us. Uh, The show notes, links to everything, including this software that Ryan was just talking about, will be on our website, longdistanceworklife.com. You can take advantage of a four-part video series on demystifying remote work. You'll find that on the site. And of course, if you want to connect with myself or Marissa, who is not Melissa, uh, Wayne at KevinEikenberry.com, Marissa at KevinEikenberry.com. I will never hear the end of this. Ryan, uh, last word goes to you, man. You know, I, I love this quote we profiled in the book from the late Robin Williams, the actor and comedian. He once said, I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. He said, it's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people who make you feel all alone. 
So may we never be the people that make others feel lonely, especially when we're with them and especially when they're on our teams. Preach, brother. Thanks, everybody, for joining with, with us on the Long Distance Work Life. Uh, my name's Wayne Jermel. We will see you on the next episode. Don't let the weasels get you down.